ladies and gentlemen, first time in like six months. Welcome to the football hour. <laughs> How's it going? Well, I mean, um, my club's loss was pretty crap today, but I mean, how late let you start there? <laughs> how do you play three to one lead with 20 minutes left? <laughs> yeah, it was 20 minutes left. We were up 3 1. We're, we're playing our best football this season. And then, like every Roma game this season, the defense happens. Um, you know, the the first one, no one marks um, um, Locatelli in the box, just gets a, a, a free shot um, in there. The second one was a whole bunch of mess with deflections and stuff, and Roma not kind of focusing on the situation. They score another one. And the third one was another bad defensive situation. It's like... All the good that Roma did, they threw away in seven minutes. Pellegrini scoring uh, an incredible free kick. Tammy Abraham starting, uh, you know, the, the game off. Mkhitaryan scoring from deep with a big deflection. And Roma on a 3-1 lead. And my, my, my thought is we, we haven't thrown away a lead like this in years um, since maybe uh, um, Di Francesco. Um, with Di Francesco, we would we would get these leads and then we throw them away. With um, Fonseca, we would just lose. So it seemed like we had the lead. I had, I felt good that we weren't going to blow it because we we were out playing them. Um, and then it just all crashed down, and the defense was the reason why. And I'm at a point now where uh, I've I've made a list of players that. Uh, that d- still belong at the club and everybody else has to kind of b- be dealt with. Um, and it, it was just a disaster because the, before that happened, Roma were playing extremely well. Everything was going their way. And then it's the same old shit. And the thing is, it's I feel bad because Rui Patricio, who probably should be the goalkeeper of the season in Italy this, this year, He's having to deal with situations that no keeper in at least Italy is having to deal with. He's having to make these, you know, he's, he's, he's been great when he's been, but a lot of the times he's been, he's been put in a situation where he's in a vulnerable state where he has to kind of make everything happen. And it's, it's unfair to the goalkeeper for us to continue to make these ridiculous errors that make it almost impossible to defend Um the other four goals that they scored, I think th- at least two of them were on the defense, maybe three. And obviously the Deba- the Dabala goal is is just, is just an awesome strike. So I don't blame anybody for that one, but the rest of them, it just it's the it's how it collapsed so quickly. And um, I don't think any excuses can be made. And everyone's going to try to uh, bury Pellegrini for missing the penalty kick. But if we had done our job on the other side. That wouldn't have been the matter to that point. And he played a, a tremendous game. He was one of the people keeping us in the game when we had the lead. So I, it was just a disaster from start to finish. Because if you if you ask me how I was feeling at, at 60, 65 minutes, we were we were getting the points. And then then it was a draw. Then okay, I'll take a point. And then it became no points. <laughs> and then I have to watch the 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 intergame, hoping that I take care of business against Lazio to at least stay above them in the table. And it was just, it was like a game of two halves where we were brilliant for most of it, and then we let seven minutes basically destroy the entire work that we did before that. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say, man. Is the manager good enough? The thing is, I don't know. Um, I, I thought about, okay, okay, if, he, if we don't get in the top six, he's got to go. 
Well, the thing is, if who okay, the thing is, if you bring someone else into the team as the new manager, is it going the the environment is has to change? Some of the, a lot of the players have to change. So in order for us to really see what we have in this situation, we understand it's a project and stuff, but but even if he's not good enough, getting rid of him isn't going to eliminate the problem. It's it's what they have to do in the director stuff and the ownership has to I mean, and I'm happy with what they've done so far, but we have to make more drastic movements as far as building the team. I don't know if the manager's good enough. There's games against Atlanta where we where we pummel them. We hadn't beat them there in, since 2017, and they were in great form going into that game. We crushed them. Then we lay an A against Milan, and then we we look great at moments against Juventus, and then we collapse the whole thing. So I don't know how to answer that. I don't think he's good enough based on what I've seen this season, because we're only a little bit better. And fifth was what I wanted. And that seems like harsh, hard to, to accomplish at this point. But I don't think if we got rid of the manager, our problems would go away. They'd still be there. So it's, it's, a, it's a very tricky situation that we find ourselves in. All right. So I, I'm not going to make you fa- um, sit on this for too long. So I'm actually going to change topics because I don't want to keep you to sad. But how about – Best Stoney today with an absolute gamer <laughs> against Lock. I think he. I think a, a lot of the people that we know talk about all these great center backs that they have in England and 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 um, you know other places. If this guy is not in on within that range of where you have your center backs in the world, he needs to be. He needs to enter that conversation. Kind of like I always talk about Pellegrini not being getting the respect when he's better than most of the midfielders that a lot of people are propping up. Same thing goes for um, Bastoni. Bastoni, for for one, scored an absolute screamer. He doesn't score goals like that. And then he scored one, and then he tried it again later in the game and almost scored again from almost a similar distance. So it was an unbelievable hit. And then you have to remember – go ahead. Uh, I think it's right to say Skirnar or whatever. Uh, both of Inter's goals came from the defense today. Yeah, and remember, Bastoni supplied Skriniar on the on the um, on the second goal, so you have to look at that situation. And then what he was able to do defensively against Amoble had a goal, but that was, as you saw in the chat, uh, it was a Handanovic and Devry forgetting him that they were footballers for a second and making a ridiculous decision. Uh, you know, so that's how he scored. But outside of that, Amoble kept quiet. Savage was quiet. Alberto was quiet. And, and uh, again, Skriniar was, is the better defender as far as the defensive abilities. But Bastoni did a really good job of, of locking those guys down as well. So it's, it's, he scored a great goal. He supplied a great goal, great cross from the wing. And then he did defensive work to, to slow down one of the best attackers you know, in Europe this season. So uh, he's just an, a tremendous player. And he's, a, he's someone that, um, that Inter are going to hang on to as long as they can because of the quality that he has. Because there's so many teams that need someone exactly like him, and there's just not that many. And he's, as far as a center back, he's as good as anybody right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, Inter won the league, then I assume, sure. Yeah, I, I just don't see a lot of the things that are going to happen with Inter this season. You see, you see there, the thing is, you. I was watching the game today. And then it appeared to me why they're so much better than everybody else. You know, when, <laughs> when we go to the bench, we have certain players. When AC Milan go to the bench, they have certain players. But when Inter Milan t- go to look to their bench, they bring on players like Carrera and Jekyll off the bench. Those two players start 
for, for a lot of teams. So if, if that's the quality they can bring in off the bench, we're all screwed. <laughs> There's not a way that we can kind of compete with that. And their starting 11 is great. They're on the older side. So this inter-team will have an expiration date. But Inzaghi, as much of a, as a crybaby that he is, he's working well with what Conte built there. And he's, he's almost elevating it as well, too. Because no Lukaku there. And now this team, I think, I think this team is better without Lukaku because Mart- it's more of a community uh, situation. Obviously, Martinez is a star here. But, but you, you see how many different ways they can score. And they just open up in, in a wholly different way. And I don't see a team. Milan's too inconsistent. They're doing, they're doing well this season, but I don't think they have, the squad's not good enough to take Inter down. Napoli's very inconsistent. And when they win, they don't play well. And now that they have the distraction of one of their best players is leaving them at the end of the season. So I think that's going to be something. Atlanta, we know this about Atlanta. We know what their game plan is. You know what they're going to do. They're just, who cares about defending? We're going to, we're going to score as many goals as we possibly can. We're going to attack from the jump, regardless of what the scoreboard is. And we saw that um, today when they scored six against Udinese, who's a decent side. But they don't defend, which is the problem, and that's not enough to take out Inter. Then you look at Juventus. Juventus, I think Juventus is going to finish in the Champions League for sure. But I just don't. They don't have enough either to take down Inter. Inter, it's not going to be like a one-horse race. They're not going to win it by like 15 points, but they'll, they'll win it by probably a, a good, not a good amount, but they'll win it. Maybe it's a close race, but I don't think there's a team in Italy right now that can really mess with Inter because I think they're just head and shoulders above. And if you watch the game tonight, uh, today against Lazio, it's clearly that, you know, Lazio is a very attacking team and they made them look average. So you, you look at, you take everything into consideration, but I, I don't know if no one's really figured them out yet. And I, I think it's, if someone was going to, it would happen already. And again, this team does have an expiration date because a lot of the players are older, but this season I, I, I'd be stunned if they don't win the league. Oh, sorry. My mic was off. Okay. Yeah. No, All good. Very good. And go on top of that too. Um, no, I agree with you. Um, I, I can't see anybody topping Inter, um, truthfully, um, of the inconsistency you said, but now I really want to focus on how did Toronto pull off the move of the century for the MLS? I mean, you know, I, I have issues on Insigne's behalf, but I mean, to have the aggressiveness of Toronto FC to do this, and I know they're giving him, they're you know they're 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 backing up the Brinks truck for him, but but to even have the audacity to look at Insigne, who could have signed for anyone in Europe. I mean, pick a great team. He probably can start for pretty much anyone. He's a great player, um, and he's been so consistent for Napoli. Um, but for, for for Toronto to have the audacity to say we're going to go for it, and that's not the only person we're going for. They they've secured that deal. They're also interested in Andrea Bellotti, and that deal is for from that point. I think that's a deal that they could secure as well. They're not done yet. That's the crazy part. They got Insigne in the building, well, not in the building, but they got him on contract. Bellotti has an expiring contract. Um, 
And he hasn't moved from Torino. And I think if he was was going to move for Torino, he would have. And that what that tells me is the team, the bigger teams in Italy, are not interested in him, which which only in sort of escalates the fact that um, Bellotti could want that move. And I wouldn't I wouldn't kill him for it because of the situation that he's in. So if Toronto can land Bellotti and Insigne, there's no excuse for not winning the cup every year. You have a player in Insigne that's going to walk into the league, not only as the best player, but he's the only person in that league that's in this, the same stratosphere. So it's, it's just like they put themselves in the driver's seat. And we know they have the, you know, your favorite player, Michael Brown, still there. But, but if you have, if you, yeah. if you have Insigne in that situation and he, he, you know, we know what he can do. He can play in Europe. And it's going to be electric, electric to to see, and I think a large of the, the the move had. I think the move from his point of view came from two things. I think it was money number one, and number two, the Italian um, population in Toronto and in Canada, and they're gonna. He's going to be adored there. He's going to be loved there, and he's going to score so many goals. I hope, from my point of view, I hope it's a two year thing where he he bangs in 150 goals and then leaves, like Zlatan did. Because I think he's far too good to be playing in the MLS. But for Toronto, this is this may be the best transfer in the history of the MLS. Because I can't think of another one um, that's as good. Maybe maybe uh, Zlatan, but Zlatan didn't win anything, and he was way older. So it's it's crazy that they even did this, and the fact that they got this done is is such a win for Toronto. I'll tell you what, this time Saturday, I'm just from living in St. Louis perspective, and our team doesn't even start playing until next year. People I've talked to, because it's a big soccer community, obviously, we've got an MLS team, have told me they have made a point. If they only go to one match in 2023, one match, people are making it a point now to make sure it's a Toronto match. And do you blame them? No, absolutely not. You you think of Insigne. Um, yeah. <laughs> I say this all the time. If he was six foot four, he'd be scoring goals at an, a ridic- an even more ridiculous rate. But the little man can play. And if you look at what he's done in Napoli for so many years, and and you know, I th- I think Mertens will will be remembered more iconically for Napoli. But but if you look at what Insigne has done in the last whatever sixteen years he's been in Napoli. He's been incredible, and the, the amount of goals he can score there. If he can score, what, 20, 15, 20 goals a season in, um, in Serie A, really? then he can – yeah, then he can score 40 in the MLS easy. Because Zlatan, there was a year that I think he scored 50 in all competitions or something like that, or close to it. So if, if he can do that in Italy, he can do it. In, he, the level that he's going to bring to uh, Toronto will go up massively, and – and, you know, as much as I don't like the move for the, the reasons it's being made, it, it's must, it's must-see TV. And, and I'm definitely going to tune into some Toronto games. And when the new season starts, I'm going to be looking when Toronto FC comes to Minnesota because I want to be there for that. As much as I've, I've cr- I criticize this move to the T, but that doesn't mean I don't want to see what he's going to bring to the MLS because it's going to be incredible to see. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, so – I do. There's a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, this is Deutschland Football Hour, so we spend a majority on the Bundesliga. But I just wanted to get that topic off. Um, Marusha Glogbach on Friday. What a win! Yeah, I mean, it's massive. It's huge because they're not doing well this season. <laughs> They've been really bad. They're going to lose their best player, 
probably for free. Um, so it's actually the best two players. I think they could lose both of them for free. Um, so it's they're they're in a very negative situation at the moment, and I think that just just how they've been playing just this season has been it's just been not up to their standard. And and I think there's there's a lot of problems with the team as well. Um, I, I think the new coach is doing a decent job for what he's been given. It's it's been an erratic situation, but they use all that, they 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 put all that aside, and for what I don't understand why every time they played Bayern Munich, they managed to do something. They beat him in the cup five 0 They they got a one one at the start of the season, and now they beat them. That's the, you know they in the season series between the three of them, Byron lost it, <laughs> which is crazy yep. because that is that that Byron team is the best team in the world. That's only going to get better and better and better. And the fact that that for some reason Gogbach is able to handle these guys, they, they don't have even the cheat code. They for whatever reason they just they just they're able to show up in a game like that and and do well. And you know I think it's it's good for Gogbach for points. It's also good for everyone else who wants to chase Byron. <laughs> Dortmund had that game against Bayern, the controversial one, and then they screwed it. They dropped points in their next two games. I think they drew they drew a game and then they lost a game. And so it seemed like Bayern was now going to take off with it. Now that they've, they've, they've dropped three points there and Gogbuck being the ones doing it to them, it gives some hope for Dortmund to, to hopefully – enter that conversation again. Um, and I think Gogbach, it was an incredible win, and, and they had to take all the wins they can. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund, speaking of Dortmund, they had a, a decent win against Frankfurt today. What did you say? Uh, it, was, mean, it, it, it was, but... It was, it was, it was dramatic because they, they were, they almost didn't win. Um, but I, I was very impressed with them in the second half. Um, Jude Bellingham is continuing to, to, you know, elevate himself with, with Holland and those guys. And, and they're finding ways to, to get wins, but um, it's, it's still a, a, a aggregating situation because they, they need to be playing better uh, as a whole and as a team. And, um, and we see that with, with a bunch of other teams in the, in the general area. Um, Leverkusen seem to be dipping, even though Patrick Schick is scoring every game. Um, but but you look at a lot of the stuff that's happening with, with Dortmund. Um, they, now that the, now, now there's a possibility of them climbing, they need to make sure they're at their best. And I think they have a great coach. I think their team is good. They just have to – it's like that winning mentality that they don't really have because they've thrown it away so many times. They need to forget the past and just focus on what's in front of them. And, you know, and they could climb a little, but but I, I think they they have a good team. They just need to be able to mentally put it all together. Okay, but I have an argument for you. Is this would this be one of the most egregious ways to talent? Because bar none, Howland will not be back next year. He's not even in the round of sixteen for the Champions League. If you cannot get a trophy, and I'm not, I mean, the DFB Polka is a nice trophy, but if you cannot get a league out of having Erling Howland, is this the biggest waste of talent in the history of football? No, I wouldn't say that. I think um, it, it's it's difficult to win the league when you, you when you have that yeah that month that Polish uh, you know animal over there in Munich, and you think about the other pieces that he has um, over with him around him with a gr- great coach, another great coach. It's hard to fucking mess with Bayern Munich when 
they're just a level above and not just German teams. They're a level above everyone. Like if you look at the, when Bayern Munich struggle the most, it's against the teams in the Bundesliga. If you put them in the, this is just my opinion. If you put them against Man City or uh, PSG or Real Madrid, even you think of a lot of the top teams, um, they're going to have more difficult in a game where you give them Glockbop or Frankfurt or something like that than they are against a um, a heavyweight. Because in comparison to everyone else, I think there's a huge gap. And I think when healthy, if everyone's healthy, there's I think there's a small chance that they don't win the Champions League. So, But in the league, it, it's not so much that they're wasting it. It's what they have to deal with. But I, I think what it comes down to for, for that point is – is the the games that really count? They always they, they they come up short with this Dortmund team, um, and that's the problem. It's not the fact because last year, so they go up two nil. So in the two games against Bayern last year, they were one nil up at halftime half or right about halftime, and then Bayern equalized in the, in sixty seconds, and then they go on to uh, I think they get a draw in that game, and and it's it's whatever. But but then the, the then the reverse fixture. Or, in, or that might have been the year before, but then there was the game where that where Holland had scored twice in ten minutes, and they're two 0 up against Bayern, and then they lose four two, and then you look in this game, they start early. I mean, there was controversial stuff happening at the end of that game. I get it, but they should have positioned themselves better um, before that, and I think that's what it comes down to. And it's 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 their inability to beat Bayern that's shrunk, but it's also losing her to the smaller teams. I mean, Butchum's doing a good job since coming up from, from Bundesliga two, but yep. come on, you got it. You got to put three points on the board against them. It's a one, one draw. And they're a good side. They're well coached. I get it, but you got to beat them. You can't be letting Hertha Berlin um, beat you when they're not good. So that's, that's what it comes down to what, as far as Holland, not being able to, to maybe get a trophy, uh, either champions league or Bundesliga. It's not the fact that they're they're. It's the fact that they're throwing it away against teams that they shouldn't. Last year they lost to Cologne. They they lost to Frankfurt last year at the death. So, so there's so many games over the last couple of years with Holland that they they've just come up short. And that's not his fault. I don't know if it's Dortmund's fault. It's just it's difficult because of the environment that they've created for themselves. Sure. Um, and I I understand that, but you understand as a football fan why it's frustrating. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating because Holland to Dortmund was a big move. They had everything going for them, and and it, it, and they were scoring. He was scoring so many goals. They were playing well. And then, and then as as a football fan, I you just don't want them to see him struggle against these teams. And and there's a lot of games where he's had to be Superman and and come off the bench when he was injured, like the Wolfsburg game, and rescue um, Dortmund because Dortmund before. He had come on in that game, was struggling, and it looks like Wolfsburg was going to get another goal. So he's been so important for them getting the points that they have, but it's 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 antagonizing to see them struggle against the teams that they should win easily. And maybe it's the team, maybe it's other things, and maybe if he had signed for somebody else, they'd be more successful. But it's 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 really hard to say. Um, I mean. The thing is, he has a, a he's got a lot of good players around him. He has Marco Royce. He has um, Julian Brandt, who's really come on this season. Matt Hummels, a b- big veteran, and then you have 
to me, and, and you know, everyone's going to have their own say, to me, the, the, the third best. So if you take out Mbappe and Holland, they have the third best out of those three. So, so for me, in Germany, they have the, the number three talent in, in the age group. For me, it's Wurz, Musiala, and Bellingham. But to me, yep. those, like after Holland and Mbappe, those are the next three. So it's not like only the top three in Germany. Uh, uh, taking away the big two, they are the next three. With all due respect to to Mount and Foden, but but that's that's how I would rank them. So the fact that you have a a top three to five youngster in the world, you have someone uh, in Marco Royce who's who's come up big in so many moments. You have Holland who's banging in goals, and you have you have a good team in place. And Giovanni Reina. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. And then you have, then you have uh, uh, Daniel Malin. You have a, a, a new keeper that's done really well. So there's so many things from this team. This was the year to take advantage because Leipzig threw it away too early, and now your biggest threat, as far as Champions League and beyond, is Leverkusen. Who I mean, they're tough because they got Schick, who's who already has 17 goals in the Bundesliga this season, and to me, the best youngster in the world in Florian Wirtz, and and obviously um, Diaby and stuff. But but the 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 thing is, considering you have Holland, the point total between Dortmund and Leverkusen is way closer than it should be, because with all due respect to to, to Leverkusen. Dortmund have the, the big guy up front. And when you have Holland, you should not be having to deal with um, a point, a, a small separation between those two. Yeah, I mean, they're separated now by, I have the table up by seven points. Yeah, but, but I mean, the point is, the, it's only, it's only in fifth. So you, I assume you, you're saying this, you don't take Freeburg seriously then, do you? Freiburg is a nice story. I, I, I really hope they make the, the Champions League, but I, I don't see them as um, as serious as they are. The, the, the point I'm trying to make here is is when you have Holland and you have him healthy and playing, and then again, you're, I'm, I'm basically basing this off, off the difference, but the quality difference between Dortmund and, and Leverkusen is huge. So they should be doing – there should be – they should be – I mean, I just think Dortmund should be like 10 points clear from them because to me going into the season, it was like if Leipzig could do it, which they couldn't, and, and that, that so they're out. So Dortmund and Bayern need to be neck and neck, the, you know. That's where they should be. And Leverkusen and Freiburg and other teams in that area are just far too close. I think that the point difference between Leverkusen and Dortmund now should be bigger. And I'm not I'm not criticizing because they're seven points out, but but still. <laughs> and the, the only and the, the seven points out thing was recently because Leverkusen has dropped um, three of their last four games. So that's why it looks that sure. way. Pr- prior to that, it was much closer. So it's only now kind of they're kind of splitting apart. Um, and again, I'm not trying to say anything negative about uh, Leverkusen. They got a lot of good players. Um if, if they had, if if Dortmund had one of those th- those three that I mentioned, that they would they would be building a very strong case in Champions League and to win the title. But I, I just feel like Dortmund isn't isn't um, extinguishing a big um, gap between themselves in terms of quality and everybody else. Dor- Dortmund and Bayern should kind of be clear of everyone. If you if you kind of get what I'm saying. Hundred percent get what you're saying. 
Hoffenheim. Good story. Yeah. Um, where, where are they in the table? I, I, offhand. Third. I don't have it. Third? Okay. Um, so my, my, I guess, so just, just so you know, I had picked them to finish sixth this season, which I thought was, that was my dark Fair. horse to, to, to put together. But to, to see them in third, uh, incredible. Um, they got some players, though. Um, they have the better Jorginho. <laughs> No shade. <laughs> um, uh, Georgina wow. Ruger, who's <laughs> I, I just couldn't help myself. Um, but he's he's a 19 year old kid that's that's really coming to his own, really explosive. And and Hoffenheim need uh, to to can, they need to be in Europe every year now because they're going to lose the kid um, because he, he's admired by several other Bundesliga teams as we speak. Then you have B- Bibu, who may not be a big name, but when he when he has the ball in dangerous areas, he's able to convert. Um, Kramerich hasn't been that much a factor this season, um, and and that's unfortunate. But but when everything is together, they're 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 dangerous. And then not to mention um, someone I mentioned on one of our podcasts like a year ago is Christoph Baumgartner. Who continues to 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 build and become a, a really significant player, and you you see Hoffenheim and and you know in the Champions League now where they belong. They have a good team. They're well coached. They um and they can they can you know run up the score too. Not that they need to, but the, I think they had a game this year where they scored seven or something like that. Um, so they have a lot of attacking parts, and then they have the defense is is not perfect, but I think they do well enough not to get in trouble and. Um, we're kind of seeing what they w- were when Nagelsmann had them. And we hadn't seen them since because when he left, they kind of shut down. And now they're, they're starting to, we're starting to see some potential in there that um, uh, since uh, Nagelsmann left. Sure. Uh, White's been spent crap this year. And I assume the whole football world's thrilled. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I wanted them to do, to do well, but, but I understand why people don't like them. <clears throat> I don't – they're not my favorite team at all, but I would rather see Friedberg make the Champions League than Leipzig. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're doing a little better, and I think some other team is going to become available or that they'll, they will consider a, uh, a bid in if they don't make the Champions League. Um, you know, they, they played well in the weekend, but, um, Christoph, um, and, and Kulu, um, really explosive player. He's been excellent all season. He's, he's basically giving them points when they're not playing well. Um, Dominic Slabishly has been excellent too. Um, so the thing is with them, if they don't at least make a, a European Europa league at the very minimum, they're going to lose some of those and sure they can make a lot of money off of those uh, signings. And maybe Andre Silva just leaves after one year. It's hard to say. Um, but if they don't improve quickly, they don't get back on track. Um, they're going to lose the core of that team because that Leipzig has the money. They have the power. They have to be banking the Champions League because they were a Champions League basically given every single time that um, Nagelsmann had them and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Raldnick had them before that. So then that this is a team because of the reputation, because of the cash flow, they need to make Champions League football. And if they don't, I would recommend Premier League teams. I would recommend other Bundesliga teams. I would recommend some Italian teams to to, to approach the, the names I just laid out because 
if they don't make the Champions League, their prices are going to go down. And if you could get um, Christoph Mkulu for for 50 or 60 uh, or in that range, that's a discount of what he's actually capable of doing. All right. Um, very good on them. Also, uh, Tyler Adams this year. Uh, American here. What do you think? Um, I think he needs a – I think he needs a um, – He's been good when he's played, but he hasn't played enough. He's not been playing uh, in minutes, the, the high minutes that he does, that he needs, especially in a, in a, in a Leipzig team that's not playing well. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a tough one because I think he's, he's, he would be a great player to have in case some of those names gets taken off the board. But I think he needs a move. And I don't know if, it, if it's a loan move or a permanent deal. But I think he needs to be playing with in a team where he can be playing solid minutes every week because we we need him playing big minutes because of what it means for the national team. Um, and you're seeing, you know, McKinney play good, great minutes for Juventus. Um, you see the the boy wonder at Chelsea um, playing minutes when he's not hurt, which is. Not that much, but but he's at least when he's playing, he's getting he's getting minutes when he's not hurt. Um, and everybody knows I'm not a big fan of not him, but the media interpretation of him. Um, but we need all of the guys that we're that we're going to be counting on to have minutes. Um, that's why, for example, a little off track here, but that's why um, Josh Sargent basically, you know, screwed himself by going to Norwich City um, because I think he's in danger of of missing out. Anthony, um, not uh, Matthew Hopps move was, was, was dangerous because he may miss out now. So I don't want Tyler Adams not to make, uh, not to be a crucial part of the team. So for that to happen, um, we need him to uh, either more minutes or a move and it could be a loan deal. It could be a permanent deal, um, but we need him to get more solid minutes. And, and that's all I can say about that because he's just not getting the minutes that to see enough um, but when he plays, he's good. But he's not playing enough is, is my big issue. Um, Josh Sargent is at the point where he's um, uh, Josie Altidore in it with uh, North City. 17 matches in league play and uh, zero goals. What What's your thoughts? Talk uh, more about I, that. I don't like to use his name because it's, it's toxic a little. Um, he's starting to look like Julian Green. Remember the kid uh, from back yeah. in the day? Who came in, had to score that great goal against the Netherlands, and then disappeared. He's yep. he's um, playing for Firth, who are currently bottom of the table in the Bundesliga, and hasn't done a damn thing. Um, <laughs> Josh Sargent hasn't scored. He hasn't. I don't think he's even put a shot on uh, on the target the whole season. I don't think he's. Well, I don't think on, he has scored two goals in the Carabao okay. Cup. All right, but in the Premier League, when yeah. when it matters, but and again, Josh Sargent made a huge calculated mistake. If he had stayed with uh, Warner on the way down, I think he would be he would have p- p- positioned himself to have um, to basically have a situation where he can prove that he's doing well enough. Because remember, Bobby Wood made the a World Cup squad or. One of these tournaments, whatever, when he was in, in Bundesliga 2. So you can make these tournaments with being in Bundesliga 2. And I think he should have done that or should have gone on loan to a, another Bundesliga club. But going to the worst team put together 
one of the worst teams in England. Um, I mean, other than like Newcastle and them, I don't know. Um, but that it doesn't do any good because you're going to be losing every week, number one. And number two, you know, your stats aren't going to look great because you're not scoring very many goals. Not just him, the whole team. So I, I, it was just a, it was a bad move, and it's it's giving me Julian Green vibes. Oh, uh, that bad though. Yeah, I, I just haven't. The thing is, I don't see a, after what he's done at Norwich. I don't know who's going to take him, and that's that was kind of the problem with Julian Green. Is he um, he had that moment, then he was awful, and then he was in a situation where n- no good teams are going to take him. So regardless of where he's going to go. They're going to be conceding a lot of goals. They're not going to be scoring very many. Um, and I think I think Josh has potential to be better uh, than he is. I think he's better than he's showed. Um, but the thing is, he needs to get out of New York, uh, 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 Norwich City, as quickly as possible. He needs to he needs to go back to G- Germany and try to uh, up his stock, because if he if he stays in England. I feel like it's it's only going to go down from from here, and that's just the way I see it. Not to say that you couldn't thrive, he couldn't thrive in an English team, but he needs to go back to Germany to, to where he's comfortable, at least for the time being. And then when he makes a move back to England, if that's the case, um, then we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, he just he just backed himself in a corner, and I don't think he realized he was doing it. But so it was unintentionally, basically sabotaging himself. Yeah, and you like you said about the second league. Look at Tim Ream played for Fulham. He'll be on the World Cup team at least. I assume he will be, even though he's in the Championship of English Football because he plays minutes every single um, week. Yeah, he does, and and that's going to help. So playing again, playing with Norwich City minutes, it doesn't do much because they're getting beaten pretty much every week. They're not scoring yep. many goals, and if you're a striker, you need to be scoring goals. So that's why. If he had stayed at Warner or gone to, I, I think Schalke. If he went to Schalke, who's going to still still in Bundesliga too um, this summer? It probably will think, be next this year again. Yeah, so I think that would have been a better move because you know he anyone man even Dusseldorf even any of those teams that have enough that are on the top half of that that uh, you know Bundesliga too. He could have scored goals. You know, if, if he goes to Schalke or stays at Warner, scores, let's say he has eight goals this season. That's enough to say, okay, he's done his, his thing. If you look at him now, okay, he's got no goals in the Premier League and he's got two goals in the Cup. Uh, and I don't know who they played, but I'm guessing it wasn't Manchester City. <laughs> so it, it doesn't look good on him was, for me. Ma- <laughs> no, not Charleston. Yes. It was sub, sub, sub terrible team. <laughs> exactly. hey, let me look it so, up for you. I'll look it up. Anyway, so it's just I'll like look it up for you. It, okay, I got you. Um, yeah, so it, it, he's just kind of a mess because you're not gonna if you're the U.S. national team and you're making change, you're making your adjustments for for World Cup time. If you see his statistics, if you see what he's done this season. I mean, what do you, there's just not a lot to take from that and it doesn't help his, his case. It makes it worse. Even going to the MLS would have been better than being here. He scored two goals against Bournemouth's B team because Bournemouth are trying to get back into the Premier League. Was that, um, was that before? Um, okay, I gotcha. Um, yeah, so that's not good enough. And, you know, I have a big thing. I want, my, I want them in Europe somewhere. 
I, I don't. He could be playing for Makaba Haifa if he wants to. If he's scoring goals, that's what I care about in Europe somewhere. Um, and that's why team, people like him are going to struggle to make the squad just because, um, you know, just be, just because he's not scoring goals. And and it's different than. Um, Ricardo Pepe, who just made his debut with Osberg, who are going to struggle this season. But they have players who can score goals. They have players that can get him the ball. So he's going to, he's going to be able to score goals with them, where at Norwich, that he doesn't have players that can give him the ball in dangerous yeah. positions. You know, if, and it's, it's different because you look at um, Pepe has um, uh, um, Vargas. He has um, uh, the Austrian kid. I can't pronounce his name. And, and again, there's, there's several pieces around him. So if you put him in an attacking area, you can get him a ball in a, in a situation where he can score goals. And he's already done his part so far at um, FC Dallas with the national team already. And now he's going to have an opportunity at Osborne where, um, where um, Josh doesn't have players who can actually actively get, put him the ball in a position where he can actually get a well-taken shot where that's a total opposite of, of the move that um, um, uh, Pepe made. All right, so I have a qu- um, another question for you. Yeah. Um, I'm not assuming, but if the USA collapses and doesn't make the World Cup, it'd be one of the biggest collapses in the history of sport, f- first of all. Second of all, um, they've had a pretty decent qualified run. Oh, we're in 2022 now. The World Cup is this year, um, November, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where, and I'm sure we'll talk more and more as the months lead up to it. What is a good, right now, in January of 2022, the World Cup is 10 months away. What is a good finish in this year's World Cup for the United States? Um, like in the World Cup? Correct. What is a finish that you can... Okay, so I would say round of 16 is is the floor. Um, It's a difficult one because we don't know matchups. Sure. But the good thing is Portugal or Italy, one of those teams ain't making it. And you look at some of the other teams that may not make it. Czech Republic may not make it. Um, And I feel a lot better about that situation because we don't have to see Patrick Schick. Go ahead. Sweden may not make it. Sweden. So what right now, just so we're ha- we have Czech Republic potentially not making, we have Sweden potentially not making Italy and, and, Poland. and Portugal, Poland. So we're talking about, and again, some will, but we're talking about a tournament without Lewandowski, without Ronaldo, without Bruno, without um, Patrick Schick, without uh, Kulaveski, without um, um, Chiesa, without Spinitzel, without a Mobile. So if you if you if you just take into account uh, and Lemondowski obviously so you take into account the amount of um, players that um, we may not have to see so it, at face value I would say around a sixteen but if you look at the European teams that will not make it I'm, I think you have they have to make the quarters um, again they could they could throw this by doing the American thing and try to feed through the star, that's not going to work because um, again, the American national, the national team and the coach does not know who, who their star is. They think it's someone who's not. So if they try to, to play um, Pulisic ball and give the, him the ball and, and stuff, I'm, I'm not saying don't give him the ball, but I'm saying that they should operate a team that's not just flown through him. 
if they're going to win, they need to have a, an established midfield um, players who, who are box to box, who can handle both sides of the, of the game and you feed through the attack. That's how they're going to win. They're not going to win by doing what Portugal did in the Euros and just give Ronaldo the ball and hope he, he does something incredible. And, you know, a lot of the times he does. But that's not that's not an effective way to win football game matches. So they have, they have to play the right way, number one. And number two, as long as that is in, in place, I think they can make the quarterfinals. It would depend on matchups, but I think that's there's I don't I don't I think there's no shot at the semis, but I think they can make the quarters if they really do play as a team. Yeah, they have six or right, Panama is on their tail, but they have to play every team one more time again. So you're going to beat El Salvador. That's coming up on the 27th. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. You play yeah. Canada in Canada, who've been surprised uh, the tournament. Okay. But that, this that is the, okay, even if they lose that one, this is where I'm at with the U.S. You're going, to win, you're going to win two games in this next group of three, okay? You're going to beat El Salvador. You're going to beat a Honduras. They're both at home. Yep. Um, and then you go on the road for rest. Um. You got I, I they're gonna be Panama, they're gonna be Costa Rica. Would you be confident with that? They play Panama at home. Where's the game in Co- is the Costa Rica game at home? In Costa Rica. So that's that's that probably a point win. minimum. They don't the US doesn't go to Costa Rica and win though. Historically. The, the only game I'm worried about is you gotta go to Mexico City and go to the Aztec Stadium on the twenty fourth of March. I, I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna actually be I'm going to disagree. I think I think at the Aztecs uh, stadium is going to be um, easier than than going to Costa Rica. You Costa think the Rica... Aztec state? Go ahead. But I mean, theoretically speaking, though, if the U.S. team is as good as we think they are, I'm going to put it out there for the USA right now. You should not lose a game out of these next six. In fact, not only should you not lose a game, you should have four wins and two draws. Yeah, I'm throwing probably. it out there for the U.S. right now. If you're that good and what we're saying, so I, I, I mean, like I said, it'll be a clutch because you're guaranteed the playoff, and I think you have to play Australia or something like that. So even if they have to get the playoff, I feel confident about them being Australia. Wouldn't you? No, I, I am 100% on that. The only stipulation that I would have going into these, they've beaten Mexico the last two times. I'm not worried about Mexico at all. Um, That's weird because Mexico on paper are probably the better team, but, but at least – the, would they have the number? Um, again, one of those games was very dicey where Pulisic scored the penalty after doing absolutely nothing for 120 minutes. But they win that game. That's a really big moment for the U.S. You know, he takes his shirt off. That's They're going to remember that. And then they beat him again. Weston McKinney starred in that one. So, again, if, if, you, if you can – if McKinney can play like he did today against Roma in that game, I'm fine. I think they're going to be okay. Um, so, Canada is difficult. There are a lot of energy going through them. That game okay. is in- – Where did this come from, by the way? What's that? Where does this come from for Canada? I'm not saying they're going to qualify because they still have six games. But yeah. Um, out of the first six out of 12, where does this come from? Or the eight out of the eight out of the, uh, the 14? Why are they doing well or how Why are they, are they doing them? well? Um, I think the, the – the, they, got, they got some good players, but it's – and Alfonso Davies – is we know how great he is. I think it changed when Jonathan David started looking like a, a you know, an Atletico Madrid, a Liverpool, a Real Madrid type player in France. I, when he went to France, 
I was confused because um, the year before he made that move, Roma had played um, Gent. Oh, that was last. That was last year, the year before, or something. Yeah. Um, Gent. It was. It was Gent against Roma in the Europa League. Um, uh, I think round of sixteen. Um, no, I think it was round of thirty-two because I think they got bounced by Sevilla before that. Um, but we we beat them barely. Uh, um, Justin Clivert, who don't want to place Roma, scored this goal and made us through. But but Jonathan David, I think if I'm not mistaken, had scored in the first leg, and then in the second leg he scored again, and was looking like okay, this guy's special. So I thought he was special, and then I hear going to France. I'm like. I, I just didn't think that it was the right move because I think he could have done better at that point. Um, and then he goes to France and starts scoring goals like crazy. And then you're, you're looking at this kid and you're thinking about the trajectory of what, where he can go from here. And I think that's, that's the big game changer because I'm not saying you can't win with Davies as your best player, but when your best player is a left, uh, left back, right back, whatever, you're not going to make as much of a dent if you have an attacker that can that can do it on the other end, um, so I think I think it starts and ends with Jonathan David, um, but they all obviously have some other decent players as well. But I think Jonathan David is is really the answer to the question. All right, I'm looking this up too for the USA's sake. So our game against El Salvador is in Columbus. If they don't win, disaster. Yeah, playing a warm weather country. In Ohio, in the middle of January. Yeah, I mean, if they don't win that easily, I'm I'm going to be concerned. Yeah, like if that's two, if we win that like one nil or two one, that's a that's a bad. That's not a good result. That's a bad. That's a bad sign for what's to come potentially. If they can't, if they can't handle them easily, I don't. I, I'm not saying by three goals. It's yeah, I don't, I'm I'm not asking to win seven nil like Germany did against um uh, whoever, but but th- they should be. It should be comfortable. They, they should never feel in that game that there's a chance that they're not going to win. All right. In February, and actually, you you might be able to get a ticket for this. They're playing. Oh, yeah. uh, they're playing in Saint against in Saint Paul against Honduras in February. Yeah, I know. Uh, me and Dane might might try to go to that game. All right. Um, so before that's I go. Win too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. I'm not even trying to be ignorant here. You play at Aztec Stadium. Yeah. Your game that, against a, Panama, you, you, they haven't um, – I don't think they've decided where they're playing it yet. The Costa Rica uh, game? The Panama game. Okay. The, if, you were, the if, is, you were, if you were the United States, this game's in March, where would you play it at? Because it's a big game. Uh, like where in the country? And I'm not trying to be biased. Wouldn't you almost have to play it at Sporting Park in Kansas City? Yeah, that would I mean, be a good option. Or um, Portland. And here's my thing. Why don't no? Actually, Providence Park in Portland. Those fans are fucking nuts. It's an intimidating atmosphere. You know. Yeah, what they need to do is they need to pick the place that will be the most intimidating on the opposition. That's that's what they need to judge it by. Um, so whatever you think that is, whether you think it's, I mean, it's definitely Kansas not City. LA, but Kansas City, Kansas Portland, City. Seattle, uh, Seattle. Um, 
whatever, whatever it is, you have to figure, you have to find the place where it's the most difficult. Um, and that's the problem Dios has had in the past. Because wait, they're they, like, oh, let's go to Orlando and play. I mean, I love the choice of Columbus and Minnesota for these next two home games, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Um, you've never been to a Minnesota United game, but but even though they do steal everybody's chance, it's a not an easy place to play to win a football game. Um, I had gone there. Um, it's an intimidating crowd. I had sat in the supporter section, uh, not last year, but the year before. <laughs> they, they were, Minnesota United was playing against Portland, and there was a handball in the box in the 90th minute, and the entire like um, the entire uh, crowd was intimidating the referee to go look at the look at the box and or the, the VAR. They get the they get the call and then they score and win the game. And the place erupts. There's there's they there's smoke everywhere. It it looks like um a, 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 you know European style sort of atmosphere. So I think Minnesota is is a good um um you know I don't I'm not trying to be biased, but it is an intimidating um, place to play. Yeah, I mean, are we over? Are we overthinking this right now? You think? I mean, surely they they make the World Cup. Yeah, they should. The only again, the only thing that I would worry about is not the the only team that would give us. I don't think any the only team that would give us trouble as far as the team is um, Canada, but. I don't like the idea of going to Costa Rica, and I know we're better than Costa Rica. But yeah, why, why can't they exercise their demons and beat them there? Because this, this, this is why. Because uh, Aztec Stadium, the fans get there um, because there's an intimidation factor. The fans get there three hours early and they start jumping. So when you're, you're in the locker back, room, no. yeah, uh, um, uh, under underneath, you can feel like the the locker room. It feels like there's an earthquake. So when you go there and try to play them, regardless of how good they are. It's a, you know, it's a problem. And um, again, Landon Donovan did this interview with uh, Colin Coward a few years ago, talking about it. He asked him who, what, what the most difficult place to play was, and that's what he said. And he said he never beat them. They never, he never even got a point. And Landon Donovan, as much as we don't rate him as highly as everybody else, he's one of the most polished U.S. goal scorers ever. And it, a Landon Donovan led team never went there and got a point. So it's just losses. That's what concerns me. Again, new era, new new team. Costa Rica are not as good now as they were then, but it's an intimidation. The the, the arena is intimidated. The team that they're playing should not be intimidating, but they they. But again, you have to remember who's in goal for Costa Rica, and that's the other thing that concerns me. But I think I think they could get the result, but I think it's it's much more difficult than people are are letting on. Yeah. Oh, Aztec stage in Mexico, but I know what you mean. Yeah, because well, there's the whole the but it's um, Costa Rica where they play is very intimidating. Secondly, Kaylor Navas is in the Costa Rican goal. Yeah. That's that's not easy. That guy has has four Champions Leagues. He's one of the most polished um, go, um, goalkeepers in the history of the Champions League. So, not not just in um, in um, uh, you know success in performance as well. So you know it's going. <laughs> we may be way better than them. It is going to take some time to break him down because he's, he's, he's going to be there for everything. There's a reason why um, th- that Donald Room is not spending that much time in the PSG goal this season is because that man is standing in the way. And to me, he's still one of the best keepers in the world. And even though his team is in. <clears throat> yeah, I was just going to say, I was going to finish my, my last point with um, 
Yeah, it's he's going to be incredibly difficult to break down. And even though we have the weapons that we have, the the, the, the concern I have with that game is Carlo Navas can make it a long night. Not because Costa Rica is going to do anything to us, but it may, it, it's a I can see a way in a, a world where it takes sixty to seventy to eighty minutes to 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 break him down. And sometimes he's unable to be broken down. That's the concern I have. So the, the, in that game, the most important thing is don't, don't let Costa Rica have one moment. If, you, if they have one moment, we're, we're, we're in trouble. Now, we, we can beat him, but it could take a long time, which could be um, demoralizing on the team. Um, you know. And so Kaylor Navas – Beating him is going to be an issue because I, I think even, even if we have the better players, it could take a long time. On the other hand, the defense, the Costa Rican defense could betray him 100 times and we could end up, you know, scoring three. But I think the atmosphere and Kaylor Navas are the two, the, the two aspects of this that may make the difficult because I, Canada's better for sure. Mexico's better for sure. But they, neither of those teams have a better keeper than they do. They, they're probably the best keeper in the whole um, qualifying. So that's, they just need to be very careful as far as um, breaking them down. They need, to, they, need to be, they need to be precise in front of goal. Even if they don't score right away, they need to show early in this game f- their first couple chances are make him work because you want to try to exhaust him and – Hopefully the defense uh, lets him down and you, you get a situation where you can beat him, but it's, it's not going to be an easy thing to do. All right. So we're going to switch to the champions league. Cause we still got a little bit of show left. If that's okay for you. Yeah, I'm good. Let's, let's keep going. Third Tuesday, 15th of February, 2022 Paris Saint Germain at the Paris de Prince plays starts off the round of 16 with Real Madrid. Who's going through to the, to the quarterfinals. Oh, Real Madrid. This 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 one's not difficult for me at all. Um, really? The, 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 yeah, not at all. This is why. <laughs> okay. So when they did the redraw, I saw people getting upset, and I was confused because I don't think this is that difficult for them. If you look at the two teams side by side, does PSG has the better players? You know, but <laughs> as we've seen as we've seen many times this season, having the better best players doesn't mean you play well together and PSG has yet to play well together. There's the distraction of Pochettino's exit and potentially Zidane coming in next season. Um, I think Messi will, will be incredible because he always is against Real Madrid. But if you see the way Kareem Benzema is playing this season, who to me should have gotten number two in the Ballon d'Or and you see the way that Vinicius Jr. is starting to come on and you look at some of the other pieces that they have, it's, it's going to be hard to, to, to see it any other way. And again, I'm not saying that Real Madrid are going to walk, walk away with it, but, but if, if I'm putting a, if I'm putting my, my stake in one of these teams, it is Real Madrid because I think Benzema is a veteran in this competition. He's done it for so many years. You look at some of the other pieces they have, Vinicius is playing well, really came on last year against Liverpool and been great ever since. And then you look at um, Angelotti's football is working there. They're going to win the league. And they will put all their eggs in this basket because I think the league um, lead is, is a good amount already. And I think they'll be ready for it. 
Um, again, a health issue, I think, is might maybe the only thing stop them from the quarterfinals. Again, PSG is a great team. They have a lot of great individuals. But we very rarely have seen them put it together as a team. Um, and I think I think Real Madrid are not don't have the better players, but they do have the better team. And I think typically speaking, the team, the, the squad that's that's plays better together um, is more likely to to come up with a result. I think it'll be close. But I mean, I'm just not comfortable betting against Benzema in the Champions League. Um, and I, I think it's going to be difficult either way, but I do think Real Madrid I do have the edge here. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I, this one doesn't give me too much trouble. I think this one is uh, not straightforward, but if everyone's healthy, I think Real Madrid should um, find a way through. All right. Um, this one's tricky, and obviously City should go through. But, 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 but. First leg of the of um the round of sixteen is in Lisbon. They're going into Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. it's gonna be hell on earth for them. Just just say just tell me that I'm being foolish and that City um win this draw by at least six goals. But how do uh how does sporting how does sporting Port- uh, Portugal um how do they even how do they compete in this draw? It's gonna be really hard. The the only hope that they have is actually at home. The home leg is first, which means it gives them somewhat of a chance. They were able to to somewhat handle Dortmund. They can beat Dortmund. I'm not saying that you can beat City, but you have yourselves a chance, and it has to be done in the first leg. Um, what I would do actually is is aggressive immediately. Um, because if you look at how Bayern lose to the Bundesliga teams and why the Champions League teams don't don't bother them is because the Bundesliga teams, as crazy as it may sound, go for the throat immediately. When you look at the teams that Bayern has lost to this, um, this season, last season, the year before, the way they do it is they're aggressive from the jump. They throw the kitchen sink and attack. And the thing is, the reason that works against Bayern is because they don't, they don't expect that to happen. They don't expect that. City, what City are expecting Sporting Lisbon to do is sit back and try to get on the counter once or twice and maybe score. What they won't expect is Sporting to go at, the, go at them from kickoff because they understand that they're the superior team and – being aggressive could be um, could be, could go, go the wrong way, but if you're sporting Lisbon, what do you have to lose? You're, you're, you're huge underdogs. You're against a team that can score from from any which way. You're at home. Go for the throat, and I think that's that should be their game plan at least in the early part of the game against um, against Man City. It, it could work, or it could fail miserably. But you're already in a tough situation because you almost have no chance of advancing. So given the fact that there's no, there's little chance of advancing, go for it. Just go for it and see what happens. And I think if they do that, they score early, it could make City uncomfortable and maybe maybe they could leave Portugal with, with a lead. Um, and obviously things will be more, more complicated at, at, at Man City with, uh, with Pep's um, team. But but. Cutting them off and going right at them in Portugal, I think, is the only way they can they give themselves a chance in this. 
if it doesn't work, they get blown out. But if it does work, they give themselves a chance. All right. That Wednesday, the two most obnoxious fan bases in Europe, Inter Milan, Liverpool. Uh, yeah. That's a um, hero. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to focus on the draw. How's the first leg going to go? Do you think that Inter's going to smack them around? I mean, I, 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 I can guarantee you this. Salah's going to score both legs because it's Mo fucking Salah. I mean, the dude's a beast. But at the same time, could you see Inter going through? Not only do I see them going through, I think they will go through. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because I told Danielle before the draw that Liverpool was the worst possible um, opponent for them. But Liverpool has since not looked as good. And I know they'll turn it on and they'll be ready for the Champions League. We all, we all, we all get this and know this. Mo Salah is not someone that you can contain. He's going to do his thing because he is, to me, the second best player in the world. Um, I think you look at everything, he will do what he's supposed to do. However, San Siro is not going to be a simple place for them to do it. And I think Inter will win at home at the San Siro. If you watch... Oh, what's Italy's capacity at, by the way, now? 80, I think. Oh, oh, oh! In in the San Siro, I think it's like 50, maybe. I don't know if that's capacity actually. Um, all I know is today's game. I heard Inter fans the entire game, and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Lazio, I never want to be, but if I'm a Lazio player, this is this this has to be a little intimidating. And I know they're gonna bring down the walls at Anfield. That's why if they beat them at at the San Siro, they give themselves a chance in at Anfield. And if you look at the way interplay, um, they just have a deep squad, and they, they make they make great teams look ordinary, and they've done it all season. Um, Conte's had this issue with with getting out of the Champions League. They don't have Conte anymore. They have it's part of his team, and Zaghi has done pretty well in these situations. As much as I hate to, to admit it, um, when he was a Lazio. Um, they, uh, even though they got knocked out last year in the round of 16, they beat Dortmund. Um, they got a draw against Dortmund, two, two huge, huge results. Um, and, uh, they handled their business pretty much everywhere else. And, and, and you know, kind of, uh, there was, there was a little inconsistency elsewhere, but, but I, th- I think, you know, now he has a better team. He has a system that's working. He has a, an Ed and Jekko who has scored against them in the past, who has played against them in the past. Um, and you have you have you have a team that's capable of it. The the wild card is Lautaro Martinez. I don't actually think Liverpool realize what they're going to have to go up against in that situation, because Mo Salah is going to do his thing. He's one of the best players in the world. Lautaro Martinez is if there's a striker that's trending upwards and could reach sort of world status soon, I think it's him, because he can beat you in any which way. Number one, number two. He can be effective when he's not even scoring. He can have no goals, no assists, and still be your biggest problem. And I think Lataro is going to take it upon himself in the Champions League at the San Siro and do something. I think that they have to they have to be in a situation where they if they can just get a draw at Anfield, they can uh, they can do it again. They have to be very careful about how they play against this Liverpool team. But I do think AC Milan, or sorry, Inter Milan have a great chance to, to advance, and I think they will advance. But I understand the threat of Anfield. If you make certain mistakes, they're, they're not going to let you off the hook. 
But they, I think they'll win in Milan. And, and um, the second leg, I think maybe 2-1. The second leg will be up to um, um, Inzaghi. If he can handle himself at Anfield, doesn't make silly mistakes, I think they'll have a good chance to go through. And, I, again, Liverpool have a lot of great players. Mo Salah is the only one that really terrifies me if, if you're going against them. As a team, you know, I, I think they're less intimidating it, once, once you – you get over the fact that most Salah is going to probably score against you. All right, so you got the biggest fart in Champions League history. Um, can I give you my honest prediction? Yeah, go ahead. I think Byron, over the two legs, will score full t- 14 goals against Salzburg. <laughs> 14. So 14. I think, I think they do seven each game. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I think you could be right, actually. I don't think that they could play I mean, without Lewandowski. <laughs> I think they could bench Lewandowski and put uh, Chimo Poting and still win by a five goal. <laughs> All right, so, so do you just want to leave that at that? I mean, no disrespect to Salzburg. Yeah, Salzburg, just- congratulations. You, I think uh, you won the most difficult group. I, uh, the thing is, during the group stage, that was the one. The, that was probably the group that was probably the difficult to, to um, predict. And they ended up doing really well in that group and did their thing. And, and they could have finished last. They could have finished anywhere in there and they end up winning it. Or I think winning it, I think the other one. Um, so, so fair play, but I, I just don't think they have a, uh, they don't have a chance against, um, you know, Robert Lemonagolski and, and Bayern Munich. All right. The most interesting match of my opinion, Villarreal and Juventus go. It's, it's, it's so difficult because Villarreal could get them. And I, I don't know. I'll be honest. The, 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 the injury to Federico Chiesa looks bad. I don't know if he'll be back in time for that. He, um, he looked um, – when he got hurt today, um, it did not look good. It looks like he needed help getting off the field. Uh, Mourinho at one point was even um, signaling that they should get the stretcher because he doesn't look good. And if he can't play in against Villarreal – it's going to be difficult for them to win, um, and they're going to have to they're going to have to rely on, you know, other components to to win. Um, again, I don't think Villarreal is going to spot themselves a, th- a three goal lead and let it evaporate in seven minutes. But but if you look at sort of the, they play this, they're not doing well in La Liga, um, so it, I think it's all in on Champions League at, the, at this stage. I think this could go either way. Um, Juventus just have a way about doing uh, doing well enough um, to go through, and I know they got bounced by Ajax, um, uh, Porto, and Lyon. So this would be a, a team that you could add to that list that so, sort of seems similar to their other knockouts. Um, but um, that was uh, that was under a different Juventus, um, and it was under a different situation where you kind of relied on Ronaldo a lot. And um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I will say Juventus go through, but Villarreal have a great chance to, to spoil the party. All right. Uh, Chelsea play uh, Lille. I don't watch enough French football to even – I assume Chelsea knocked, their door, knocked the doors down, though. I would say 5-3. Um, I think um, that's fair. An aggregate. I think Jonathan Davis will get himself. Well, just knowing Chelsea, I think that's fair. 
Yeah, I, I think I think Jonathan David will give them a couple, but I, I just don't. I don't see a way that the team that's constructed with Lil is going to be able to take down Chelsea. I, I just don't see it. Um, and and we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I, I just don't give them that much of a chance there. All right. Penaldo. Penaldo. Um, and man, you played at Let It Go. Could you break down this one uh, detailed for us, please? This is so difficult because both teams are playing like absolute garbage right lately. Um and because Man United, um, you had that one or two good performances under the new manager, and it seems more of the same. Um, you look at that Man United team, other than Ronaldo and Sancho, when he's when he's given the opportunity, it's hard to see somebody who's got a big game changer for them. Um, you know, you have uh, obviously um, Mason Greenwood as well. Um, Bruno's not done well this season; um, he just hasn't. Um, Again, I, I hate to say it, he's starting to look like an Italian gr- uh, Bruno, the one that was the worst player in the league. And um, it, it just seems like something's off with that team. Um, I would say there's several midfielders that are better than Bruno at this point. The style of football that's being played, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work against Atletico. It's difficult. But then you look at Atletico, and they, they looked like at the beginning of the season that they could be a team that's going to fight with, with – um, with uh, Real Madrid, and they threw the whole thing away. Um, Griezmann's been pff, kind of okay, not great, nothing. <laughs> Correct. He's he's been. I don't know. It's weird. It, I, you just don't know what, what what kind of day you're gonna have when you're playing against Gru- um, uh, Griezmann. Carrera scored a great goal today, um, but I, I just Suarez scored for the first time in in weeks lately. Um, this is this is a lot of sort of two teams that are almost exactly the same. Um, and hey, how was your I boy Gal Felix? Hopefully, looking for another move, and I've I traded him in for Florian Wirtz. <laughs> I, yeah. I got that one wrong. I apologize. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I still think he can be. I, I just don't think he fits in this team, and maybe he goes somewhere else and, and becomes something. But but both teams are just rubbish right now. Um, and you probably watch more Man United than I do, but when I've seen them. They've not been impressive. Um, it's I, it's hilariously bad, man. Yeah. Uh, I, even in games against Atlanta, the only reason that they've got even any points from either of those games is because Atlanta doesn't know how to defend. <laughs> That's the only reason. If Atlanta had a good defense, they would have beat Man United twice. Um, and then, I mean, yeah. Man United, just, they're just a brutal team right now, as Atletico is. The worst game I saw this season was Manchester versus Man United. Those are 90 minutes I will never get back. Uh, and then you look at Atletico. They're not any better. Uh, so it's, it's really difficult how to tell you this wasn't going to land. On one side, Cristiano Ronaldo played against Atletico Madrid hundreds of times, and um, a, a lot of times anyhow, and manages to, to always upstage the party. Um, however... I, and I, I know he's he's putting up goals. He's doing a good job this season, and and he's he has been very important to Man United. Man United are probably not in Europe without him. But he Prime Ronaldo, the last year of Prime Ronaldo was his first year at Juventus. That was it. That was the end. And again, he's still very productive. He's still he's still amazing at times. But it's it's difficult to judge because the last time he played against Atletico Madrid, it was Prime Ronaldo. And if, if Ronaldo wasn't that that good, 
in that in that in that uh, Atletico Madrid um, Juventus game, if he wasn't a hundred percent what he was, they wouldn't they wouldn't have gone through. So it's difficult. I, I would give the edge to Man United only just because Ronaldo will probably find a way to get a couple goals. But I, I think this is as as close as any that they're going to get. I don't think Ronaldo's going to come in here and have a hat trick in the first leg. And equally, I don't think Atletico Madrid is going to be amazing. It, it, I don't know. I have a weird feeling it could be like a a zero 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 zero, and then penalty shoot or something. And I'll, I'll, I, so I, I say Manny and I go through just because Ronaldo. But I don't think there's a good. Neither team really is is in a situation where they're in a good spot. So it really could go either way. It's it's really hard to say which way it's going to go. On one hand, one team has Ronaldo and has done well against Madrid. On the other hand, Diego Simeone is a better manager at this point than than Raúl Granick. So I, it's it's just too difficult to really say which. But I'll just say United because uh, Ronaldo will f- probably find a way or get a couple penalties either way. All right. So my favorite matchup this whole entire uh, Champions League round sixteen. You got – I can't believe I'm saying – you got Benfica playing Ajax. <laughs> this one's going to be good, isn't it? I, I, I just have a, I have a feeling about it, and I think that um, both dark horses, both teams that have capabilities of going deep in this competition. Um, wait, hold on. When does the, the African Cup of Nations end? Do you know? Is it going on right now? Yeah. Will it we'll be done by February? Oh, it should be. It's it started today, and their game doesn't it, end until the end of February twenty second. All right, let me put it this way: if if um, I don't even know what country he's from. That's that's embarrassing. The, Sebastian Hollerith, February sixth. Okay. So yeah. All right, I just had to make sure that Sebastian Holler was going to be available for the for the for the, the games. Um. <clears throat> All right, so this is a difficult one. I think this is a, as evenly matched as you can get. Um, I think Benfica will have a real chance of pulling off the upset, and I think Ajax are probably the favorite here. Um, I think this is a perfect game for Benfica because it's someone at their own level. They played teams in the in the Champions League um, this year that are above their level, and they struggled against them. But when they played a team that's at their level or below, and I'm sorry, Barcelona, at this point, Barcelona and Benfica are at a similar stage as far as where they are in the, with their clubs right now. And Benfica was able to handle that the, those games. So that means they can handle Ajax. And I think they have a good coach. They have a good system. They have players that can be effective. But I think I, I just can't look past Ajax because of what Sebastian Haller is doing from from scoring perspective. When you look at uh, some of the stars that they have with with, with um, Anthony and and um, uh, Granda Birch, uh, some of the other players that they have throughout the, squ- the squad, um, it's well coached team. They have young players throughout. They they just got uh, Brian uh, Broadenby back on loan. Um, for and he'll, he'll be eligible for this. Um, so you, you have to look at the, the totality of the squad, the way they play, the way they handle Dortmund. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be um, it's, it's going to be um, uh, easy to figure out, but I think that I think Ajax just have a way about them this season, and I think 
I think they could go pretty deep in this competition. Um, but Benfica has materials to beat Ajax. But given this situation, considering what they did against Dortmund with Holland and without him, I think you, you just have to look at Ajax as, as the favorite here. And I think they'll get the job done. I think this is probably one that goes um, the distance. This probably goes um, extra time um, over the two legs. I could see 2-2, two, 2-2 two, two, two across. Um, but I, I think Ajax will, will come up with a moment when they need one the most. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Um, we'll definitely be doing this more regularly. I can promise you that. Um, so can you just give us your doggy of the week? Um, I'm trying to look, for, I'm trying to find one. That's not the one I want to say. Um, um, nah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you can see three goals in the span of seven minutes, um, actually I two people. So number one, Roma, when you, when you, when you have a three, one lead and you, and you can see three goals in seven minutes, you have, a, you have a freaking problem. So that's number one. Number two, anybody that has referred to Italian football as boring or dull or a garbage league. All anyone who has said that this season, we because go ahead. So the British, yeah. So uh, the British, yeah. I guess so because we just watched a game. That this is the problem with this, right? I had a friend on Instagram who was who was making fun of Syria after after Roma's game against Milan. Wasn't the best game. Two sending offs, four goals. I don't know. That's that seems like a pretty good game. It was exciting. It was it was dramatic. It was between two big teams. All right, that wasn't the best game. But you take one game as an example to represent the entire league. When earlier that day, Empoli went up 2-0 against Lazio. Lazio drew it even. Empoli scored again to make it 3-2. Amoble missed a penalty, and then Savage scored in the 93rd minute. That sounds pretty exciting to me. Then you look today. Yeah, you look today. Abraham scores immediately in this game, 10 minutes, 11 minutes, 12 minutes in. Dabala looks like prime Dabala from a few years ago with a beautiful strike. Then you look at, um, you know, Mkhitaryan gets one. Now it's 2-1. Pellegrini scores another free kick this season. He's been one of the best mids in the world this year when healthy. Then you see Juventus score a, a barrage of goals. Then Juventus gets sent, have a player sent off. Then Roma miss a penalty, and um, they they hold on to win. So I think anybody that's and this is this is probably the best game of the season in any league, in my opinion. But if you look at the, this year's specifically, there's been lots of games like this. So anybody that, that talk calls this a boring league or the Bundesliga, you look at the Frankfurt game uh, against Dortmund, late winner, things like that. You look at the, the Leverkusen game against um, Union Berlin, huge game, stuff like that. So I think anybody that's calling any, any leagues, I mean, any of these two leagues, um, garbage or boring. And I think, I think that you have to look at it yourself because if, if you get off on telling on, on tearing down other leagues that aren't the ones that you watch, aren't the ones that you're favorite, I think you have a problem. The thing is, if you're a fan of the Premier League, if you're a fan of the championship, if you're the fan of the Bundesliga, Serie A, uh, the French league, La Liga, and you're trying to tear down 
one of those leagues and call it crap because it's not your cup of tea. I think you're just you're just trying to, to paint a narrative that doesn't exist. I don't I don't call any of those leagues crap. I think ones I think there are, there are those that are better than the others, but there's no reason to to call you know it a farmer league or boring. I mean, when you have scored seven goals in a game, I don't think that's boring. So, um, so it's Roma and any of those fans that are sort of idiotic in their own way. All right. Well, very good. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you.